Catholics have the Vatican. Soccer fans, Old Trafford in Manchester. And for car guys like me, Jay Leno's garage. Uh, Jay, thanks again for bringing us hey, back. I was wondering where they're going. Catholics have the Vatican. I go, oh boy, this is totally different. I am in the wrong, oh, I see. But yeah, I see, you're making a comparison. Yeah, you know. That's why you let people finish what they're saying. Okay. <laughs> You know, I try, right? I try. So, anyway, thanks again for having us here. Sure. On, on hallowed ground, if you will. Uh, well, not really. I mean, it's it's a garage, and everything here runs and rolls, explodes, makes noise. I mean, that's sort of the fun thing. I, I didn't set out to have a collection. I just never sold anything. And some of the cars are very valuable, but some are just cars I like. Corvairs, Ford Falcons, cars I grew up with, you know, type of thing. And the collection runs the gamut of older classic cars, newer performance Yeah, it's, cars. Uh, there's no theme to this, you know. I hate when people only have red cars, you know, or something like that. You know, it's just, I guess the theme would be anything of historical or technical importance, anything that was a noble failure, mm -hmm. the noble steam car. Even the Corvair was not considered successful, but they sold 1.8 million. Imagine you sell 1.8 million of anything now, they make you president of the company. But in the 60s, the Mustang sold three million. Yeah, one point eight million. What is that? You know, I mean, it's almost funny by comparison. That kind of shocks me because knowing that now the reputation of the Corvair has been a sort of kind of a car that was like a lemon in some sense, but um, but not the, the Corvair was a very innovative automobile. I, I think it's one of the greatest American designs of all time. When you look at a '66 Corsa now, you, you, I'll take it to a show and people go, "Is this a Carmen Gear? Is this European? Mm. Is this some kind of uh, a bar?" No, it's a you know, they never heard of a Corvair. You know, I've, I've only heard of it because of this sort of the really big fascination in classic cars these days. Right. The market is sort of really kind of exploding. And, I, you know, we just had Monterey Car Week wrap up. Mm -hmm. uh, Haggerty said there was $470 million in sales at the auctions uh, this year, blowing away 2015's record year. Right. What do you think is going on in the classic Well, car? when money goes down, uh, art, automobiles, collectible guns, things go up. People put their money in something more tangible. Well, if I'm gonna lose my shirt, I might as well enjoy doing it. So instead of putting it in a, a 401k or something, I'll, I'll buy something I can use and enjoy and hopefully it goes up in value. I mean, this is fairly recent in, in the sense of 25 years or 30 years. You know, when I was a kid, my dad was always amazed that somebody would pay more for an old car than a new car. My dad, we get a new Cadillac, why would you buy a 30-year-old, he got a brand new Cadillac. I mean, it made no, made no sense to him. He just didn't get it, you know? And it, it was just a different time. And it's only, I mean, my, my brother bought a Porsche Speedster, a 58 Porsche Speedster for $800, I think, in 68. Uh, fixed it up, sold it for 1200 My father thought, oh my God, take, get that, get, get it out of here. Get the money. My, my dad couldn't believe he made $400 profit. Uh, most recently, a friend of mine, well, this is a while ago too, 20 years almost, uh, he bought an F1 McLaren for eight or 900000 That's it? Got, got, well, this is when it was new. Yeah. Oh, when it's new. And within a few years, he got an offer of $1.3 And he loved the car, but he said, I'm never going to see that kind of profit again. And he sold it. And of course, now they're worth $20 million. So this idea is cars as investments it's fairly new. I mean, to me, I don't look at it as investments because I would sell my home first. Everything else would go <laughs> first. So the idea that it's worth a lot, well, it's very nice and it makes you look smart, but uh, no. I, I think for a lot of fans, and you can speak to this, is that 
a lot of people are coming in as the investment pe people come in, and it sort of makes it more unaffordable for people who really like cars to get into that market. Is that sort of a thing that you're seeing? Well, th there's a, an upside and a downside to both of those. Uh, the upside is, as cars become more valuable, people who make parts to fix that vehicle say, hey, this could be a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, mechanics who repair those vehicles can make a living. I mean, there's a college uh, called the McPherson College in Kansas, and they give a four-year degree in automobile restoration. This is the only country in the world where to be a mechanic, just say, I'm a mechanic. You know, there's a, there's a garage in Burbank has my favorite sign. It says, we specialize in all makes of cars. Mm -hmm. Well, how can you specialize in everything? <laughs> it just, it just it sort of makes, you go to Germany and you have to have a degree, you have a paper that certifies that you are, you are a trained mechanic, yeah, you went to work on the car, yeah. Well, here you just go, I'm a mechanic. People, oh, you said he was a mechanic, you know, and you're a mechanic, you know. So uh, there are kids that come out of McPherson College and they started, you know, 100 bucks an hour. You go to the Classic Center in Germany or, a lot of the heritage automakers now have classic centers where they make parts available for their older cars. And people make, it's like restoring the old masters, paintings and things of that nature. So uh, I, that's the upside to it. Uh, you know, I can remember when you could buy DB5 Aston Martins for $2,500. I mean, they were just another old car. And then the James Bond phenomenon and all of that. And then it, it just hit the roof and now they're a million three, a million five. But more being saved, cars that would have been thrown away as parts cars are now being taken back and restored. You know? So there is a flip side to that enthusiasm. That. Yeah, I think that's okay. I mean, the idea is to get on the market before everybody else does, try and figure out what a modern collectible will be. Like, for example, to me, a modern collectible would be a first-generation Miata. Mm -hmm. Easy to work on, no airbag, no crazy electronics, a little bit of electronics, not much, uh, but just simple, fun to drive, nice to look at, clean design, you know, that would be an example. The, the Taurus show from the late 80s, that front wheel drive, uh, that Yamaha V6 engine, very powerful, very fast. You know, the idea is to try and, if you're knowledgeable about automobiles and you like cars, whatever you like will probably go up in value because other people will like it too. So you try to keep ahead of the market. I know you're uh, a big EV evangelist, you own a Tesla for many years and you have even the Plaid now for a while. Right. Um, Elon Musk just said that they sold their three millionth car right. about a month ago. Do you think anyone can catch up to Tesla and Musk right now or are they sort of in the driver's seat when it comes to EVs? Well, the thing you have to realize about Elon, which is very clever, he came to this garage in 2007 with his prototype, the Roadster. It, and, that, and that early when they had a two-speed transmission and a couple other things. Right. And I remember we were sitting and he's telling me about it. He says, well, what I want to do is build charging stations all up and down the coast. And I'm going, hey, okay, that'll happen. You know, like, <laughs> oh, that sounds good. But you know, he started building the infrastructure almost at the exact same time he started building the car. So when the car debuted, you could drive LA to San Francisco, and now you can go anywhere in the country. I mean, you see a lot of other automakers get in the EV market Oh, you can charge it anywhere. No, no, you can't really. You might, but it's 110, you're gonna be here 18 hours, and you know. So I, I think he should get a certain amount of credit for leading the charge, because before Elon, oh, it's a golf cart. People would joke about electric, oh, they're slow, they're whatever it might be. Uh, so I, I give him a lot of credit for it. I mean, I think 
the EV will be the savior of the classic car industry. Because, really? Yeah, because much like the automobile was the savior of the American horse, you know, in 1900 in New York City, 60 tons of manure was dropped in the street every day. I mean, people got dysentery and hot weather horses, like a junk man's horse would drop dead in the street. They'd cut the reins and leave the carcass, and the thing mm. would rot, and people would get. And all of a sudden, Henry Ford comes along with a Model T and blows a little puff of blue smoke in your face. Oh, I'll take blue smoke over manure any day. You know, so, so that was, oh, okay. So now horses are primarily for recreation. And there are more horses now than there were in the mid-1800s because people use them for enjoyment and beauty and, and they take care of them. And, uh, and that's the same thing with cars. You'll use your EV to sit on the 405. Well, I mean, sitting on the 405 freeway in a 426 Hemi getting eight miles to gallon makes no sense at all. So you drive your EV. Then on the weekends, okay, you take your Hemi, you go to the car show, you go to Bob's Big Boy, whatever it might be, you know. So. Yeah, you know, especially a steam-powered car on the 405, not the best uh, option for Right, me. right. Um, so you mentioned Ford. I wanted to you know, talk, talk to you about that. You know, Jim Farley, I, I spoke to him at, at Monterey, and he's a big car guy. He's, he's racing cars at yeah. Laguna Seca. He also split the business into two units to right. sort of capitalize on. We need well, to move fast. That's, who, that's where I'm very proud of American manufacturing. Everybody in Ford, GM, Dodge, they're all engineers now. In the old days, you put, this is Bob from... Uh, from Admiral of Washing Machines. He's gonna help us with this, with the marketing of this. And Maytag. Yeah, yeah, Maytag. I mean, that's what they did. They brought marketing people in, and they put go-fast stripes on it like a, like a Ferrari. It's got a stripe on the hood just like a Ferrari. But, you know, but now you, you, got, you got, like Royce, the president of GM, he's at Nürburgring setting records with Cadillac. I mean, it's very funny, so. But you have real engineers. The businesses are lean. How they build a Corvette for $65,000, I have no idea. I, mean, I could barely paint one and restore one for that. So the fact that it's done in a union shop and it's using high-grade, a lot of magnesium, a lot of aluminum, it's not steel and, and uh, torque converter transmissions, it's dual clutches. I mean, I, I, I'm really quite proud of American manufacturing. They've done an amazing job. You know, that Corvette kind of, when I first saw and drove in, it reminded me of McLaren for, like you said, yeah. a third of the price. For a third of the price. And it kind of brings you back to, you know, you got Mary Barrett GM, you have Jim Farley at Ford. Do you think either one of those is sort of the next level of, uh, uh, from the EV kind of like, you know, hierarchy, right? You got Tesla. Do you think it's Ford or GM that'll be kind of the next level in terms of that kind of competition? Well, I, I, I think. America's stuff has always been about egalitarianism, making it available to everybody. You know, the, the smart thing about America was anybody could buy a Model T. The idea in, in Germany or France of the average person owning an automobile, <laughs> I mean, it just seemed ridiculous. Yeah. But to make something affordable, you know, like to me, the greatest book ever written is still Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol because it was popular, it was accessible, it was the first time you could improve your life without having to die first or go to heaven and come back. You could just change your life just by being a nice person. And this was a concept that people just thought was unbelievable when I came out, that, oh, this rich man helps this poor man and both their lives are improved. How, how simple could it be, you know? And that's what it is. America was never about building premium automobiles, it was about building working class, as they used to call it. Or, I mean, of course, we build premium automobiles now, but I mean, I think that's the key. It's volume, really, is what it does. Yeah, it seems like, you know, these days with such skyrocketing new car prices, the, 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 the blue collar, your 
Main Street kind of guys buying used cars to survive. But right. I wanted to talk to you about that, uh, about affordability, and, and, and again, Ford real quick about the, the new F-150 Lightning, an electric truck that you know is promising to come in at a, at a competitive price point. Uh, I drove it. I think it's a great truck. You know, it's really amazing. Well. You can weld in a truck. It's got 240 in the back. Yeah. So do you think that, you know, your your uh, guy who works at a work site, construction worker, uh, really professional kind of uh, tradesman, are they going to go hop on board the F-150 Lightning? Yes. You know what? This is what I want. Yes. You know why I know that? Because in the 50s, trucks had a bench seat, three-speed on the column, and a six-cylinder engine. You know, air conditioning in a truck. What are you, Mister? What are you, owner of the family? Look at this guy. I mean, you weren't a man. You know, trucks were manly things. You know, and then all of a all of a sudden, oh, you have air. I mean, an F-150 is basically a Lincoln. It's comfortable. You can do everything with it. You know, the funny thing about it, the government's really responsible for that because I think back in the '80s they put a five percent luxury tax on any vehicle more than $30,000. That was the deal. Anything above 30,000 was considered a luxury car. So you paid 5% tax. So manufactured, but you didn't pay it on trucks. So uh, then they said, they, they came out with something. It was not a success, but it was a trendsetter. The Lincoln Blackwood. This was a luxury truck. And the 5% of the purchase price that you saved in tax, you put into leather interior, standard air conditioning, electric windows. And then suddenly, oh, then you got real value for your money. You know, you could get a truck with all this stuff in it for less money than the equivalent luxury car, you know. So, uh, yeah, so it was really the government with that, that 5%. That's what spurred people to, you know, we're very clever here in America. We don't change our habits. You just find ways to get around them, you know. Like, I was never a Hummer guy. I thought it was big, noisy, dirty, rolling coal, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So rather than eliminate it, we just make an electric one, a little smaller, a little lighter. And you know, it's an amazing, it's a great vehicle. I'm stunned at how good it is. I mean, that always, that always sort of makes me laugh the way we figure out ways to. I want to eat cake every day, but I still want to be an athlete. All right, well, let's come up with some kind of cake. You know, instead of eliminating it or smoking, yeah. people smoke. You know, oh, let's vape. That's not <laughs> stupid. We'll always come up with different ways to spend our money and have fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of that, you know, we talked about um, EVs and stuff, and, and President Biden signing the, the Inflation Reduction Act. We won't get into the naming of that, but big another extension of that tax rate for EVs. Right. So, is that like you said, a tax rate for trucks spurred that growth? Are we going to see more EV adoption with that? Oh, sure. I mean, it took 75 years for every American home to have a telephone. It took five years for every American home to have a computer. So I think using that same sort of thing, you see how quickly it's moving now. I, I mean, suddenly people who would never consider an EV, oh, you know, there's the psychological thing of seeing 698, what? You see they go past that gas station sign. Although the EV is not free, it just kind of seems like it's free because it's not $7 a gallon, 5.95. It's not thrown in your face every time you go, it's 100 bucks to fill this car up, you know? It just, you just sort of plug it in, oh, the next day you magically have, quote, a full tank, and oh, okay. No more gas stations, no more weird smelling hands, you know. Yeah, sort of exactly. Um, you know, I want to also talk about kind of like what you're up to these days, and mm -hmm. you know, the seventh season of Jay Leno's Garage yeah. is going to come out, and, and first of all, did you ever think this show would go seven seasons, and, and can you tell us what we can see, what we can expect coming up in the new season? Uh, well, uh, you know, we have, you know, I was just down at SpaceX with Elon, and that's fascinating. 
You know what's so funny? Everybody seems normal until you realize, oh, this guy's like a genius guy, you know? Uh, we're down there, and he's got this plan to put, send a thousand, he's building a thousand rockets to go to Mars. All right, it, it sounds like some crazy pipe dream. But then you go there, and you see hundreds of these jet engines lined up, and you go, oh, he's really going to do this, you know? And the fact that as he's talking to me, scientists and physicists are coming over going, um, this is gonna be, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he understands manufacturing, you know. In addition to the rocket science, right? Yeah, I mean, he understands, it's like Elon says, right now it will cost over a billion dollars to put one gallon of water on Mars. He wants to get that down to $100,000 a gallon, which is still crazy, but it's not a billion. You know, uh, and so just that thinking outside the box thing, which I find uniquely American, you know, that's why um, I, I never got this, I always felt bad with this banning of immigrants thing that they had uh, a few years ago, you know, with shutting the, you know, Steve Jobs was Syrian. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the doctors, all the people who come from India, you know, America will seduce you with hamburgers and hot dogs and music. My favorite example of this is, we used to do this jaywalking thing where we'd knock on doors, yeah. ask people questions. I remember going to one house, knock on the door, and the grandfather answers the door, and he's got a vest and a tie, and he speaks Spanish. He goes, no, no English, oh, okay. His son comes over, a little fatter than his dad, a little heavier, <laughs> kind of sloppy. He speaks English, he talks to me, so-and-so. Then I meet his son. He's got a T-shirt with some obscenity on it, you know, the, just the deterioration. The progression, of, yeah, the progression of downhill. You can see the grandfather's the fittest one in the family because he's the immigrant. He came, he worked hard, and everybody else is profiting. Off. And that's what America's about. You bring these immigrants in, and they invent stuff, and they, and they become citizens. You know, it's a great place to live. The pizza's great. The music's fun. The girls are beautiful. You know, that's what happens. You need new immigrants all the time. You know, I, I, uh, I visited with the, the Zinger guys the other day. Exactly. I know they're coming up on your show, yeah, too. Yeah, right, right. Father and son team. I mean, great uh, story there. American manufacturing, again. Right. Um, and so I guess this season you've been highlighting a lot of these kinds we of We highlight stuff. them. We have them on the show. We have Elon. I'm shooting this week with uh, uh, President Biden. We're doing... Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a car guy. You know, yeah. he's, he's still got his six. As a Corvette, right? Corvette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have some fun and take some EVs out and talk about that. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, it, it's a great show to do. The idea is everybody has some connection with the car. You know, I talk to celebrities all the time, and they go, I know nothing about cars. I said, well, did you ever do anything with a car with your dad? Oh, when I was a kid, my dad had a Cadillac, and we'd go for ice cream every Sunday. Get a Cadillac, let's get the celebrity, go for ice cream on a Sunday, and talk about it. You know, and, and that's pretty much it. I mean, the car is a, a huge part, I think, of American culture. Right. You know, uh, lastly, Jay, I know that you also have various other business interests. And one thing I discovered was you have a, a business where you, uh, the, all these cars you're detailed and, and, and cleaned with a specific uh, product. Well, you know, Atlanta's we developed a, our own product. Yeah, I mean, the smart way to do it is a big company comes along, like 3M or something, gives you a huge check, and you hold up, boy, this is the best, you know. Uh, we developed our own stuff here. We quietly put it out just to see how people reacted to it. We got great reaction. People liked it. People ordered and then reordered. And now we're national. We're in Walmart and a, a bunch of these big stores. I expect the usual snarkiness. Oh, Jay Leno, you're you, you trying to cash in on the. Uh, okay, well, maybe. 
but it's a good product. People seem to like it, and it's doing well. So keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, I, I, mean, I heard you have your own chemistry. It's not just something you put your label no, on. No, no, we, we developed everything here at the shop. We try it out on all of my stuff, and it seems pretty good. I mean, the one that got us started was uh, cars don't have chrome anymore. Yeah. None to speak of. And polishes, and I would use other polishes. I noticed on the rag, I'd see you know, metallic specks, you know, like, oh, it's actually peeling off a layer of the chrome. So I said, let's find a company and develop a chemical that cleans without having an abrasive, you know. And that's what we did. That's the one that first took off, and then we built the whole company around that. So we'll see these products in Walmart now, big deal coming up, and yep. a seventh season of the show coming up later this month. So, Jay, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, appreciate it.